Welcome to the Dig In Travel Podcast, where travel and other digital professionals level up their marketing skills by listening to the top industry experts. And now, here's your host, Istok Franco, founder of DigInTravel.com, your number one resource for travel, digital, e-commerce, and marketing. Hi, this is Istok, and you're listening to episode 32 of the Dig In Travel Podcast. Before we start with our today's podcast, let me tell you something else. These Digging Trail podcast talks are primarily a medium to let talented airline digital leaders share their ideas. We want you, so airline digital professionals, to learn from your peers. But if you want to become a better digital expert, I don't think that's enough. You have to look outside our industry as well. Our Airline Digital Academy students could tell you that I'm a big fan of David Epstein's book, Range. In the book, Epstein explains that if you want to solve complex problems, you need to have a broad skill set and look for solutions outside your area of expertise. Here is a quote from Epstein's newsletter, which explains how one of the world's best-known immunologists tries to look outside the box for solutions every day. Arturo Casadeval, a John Hopkins professor and one of the most influential immunologists in the world, once shared the advice he gives every colleague. Read something outside your field every day. Their typical response? Well, I don't have the time to read outside my field. I say, no, you do have time. It's far more important. Your world becomes a bigger world and maybe there is a moment in which you make connections. I hope our podcast can help you look beyond the airline industry to become a better digital professional. In past episodes, you had the opportunity to learn from innovation and experimentation leader Stefan Tomke from Harvard Business School. We talked to Ronnie Kohavi, who managed uh, experimentation at Airbnb, Microsoft and Amazon, and Lucas Vermeer, former head of experimentation at Booking.com. Today, we bring you another great digital expert, Ben Lebai, Managing Director at Spiro. Spiro is a digital optimization agency built by the same people who founded the CXL blog, one of the best resources available for conversion optimization and experimentation. Ben is an industry leader, a speaker on all things digital research and experimentation, and a conversion science consultant. This podcast, this talk, is about how to build better airline digital products. And the, more, the most important part of building better digital products is to make faster and better decisions. Ben shared a lot of great insights on how you can do that. Hi, Ben, and welcome to the Digging Trail podcast. Hey, it's Doc. Good to be here. Pleasure. I uh, followed you for a long time, and and happy to and happy to talk all, anytime, every every time about experimentation. So no, I'm really excited. I I think to me when I see similar passionate people about this area, about let's say all things digital, special experimentation analytics, I get hyped up for this talk. So it was on my wish list for a long time. Before we start, and I advise all listeners of this podcast to check 
your YouTube channel when you talk, uh, how it's called when you talk to experimentation leaders? It's the testing uh, insights, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, testing yeah. insights. Yeah. Yeah. I would uh, really recommend everybody to check the talks because I learned a lot from it. But you talk to all these leaders, right? And uh, you have a lot of insights. But what I see also in our industry, some people, for some people, experimentation, digital optimization, it's very niche thing still. It's still somewhere in the basement, you know, some digital uh, enthusiasts do it, but it's much harder to get this broader business exposure. How would you explain the value, communicate the benefits to marketing digital people that are not that familiar with experimentation based on what you heard uh, through all these talks? Yeah, I think um, CRO experimentation, you're right. And in a lot of sense, it is a bit of a niche area. And I think CRO is its own niche and experimentation also is its own niche, right? CRO is more on the marketing side. Experimentation is more popular as a category, especially in the tech SaaS world and, and within product, not necessarily having its origins on the marketing side of the fence. Uh, when I have conversations around how this applies more broadly to marketers or how this can transition out of the niche realm and into the more um, kind of um, general zeitgeist of, of business, um, of, of business, you know, operations, experimentation, CRO, it's all about decision optimization. It's a tool used to have faster, more accurate decisions because the goal is not growth. The goal is adaptability. As the market changes, as the environment changes, how can we position ourselves to take advantage or be positioned and not be stuck flat-footed considering the market and environmental changes? So experimentation is, you know, can be and should be looked at as a tool for, you know, creating decision optimization for, for also for culturally pushing decisions down the or organizational ladder, like, like pushing it down into product owners as opposed to decisions being stuck in the top and stuck in the C-suite and stuck in leadership. It's a tool that leadership is starting to embrace more and more as an operating model to comfortably pu push decision-making and strategic decision-making even yeah. down into product owners. And so if you start thinking of it as an operational model versus like a tactic, then that broadens it up. It applies to more people. It's more useful. It's more modern. It's more attractive when you're hiring. Like I think our friend, I talked to him on this podcast, Stefan Tonke, he's talking in similar, mentioned similar things that you mentioned. It's like scientific approach to decision-making. And here I find it fascinating, yeah, because if you're doing it right, so you're doing your research, you're testing things out, you're making decisions based on facts, on data, on results, then you can do what you said, push the decision-making down uh, because you have a framework how you make these decisions. And then as an organization, especially the big ones, which I see a lot of in our industry, the big airlines, they're huge orgs, so they can move faster because the framework for decision-making is more transparent and it's uh, it's a way of how we... Uh, take these decisions, right? Yeah, yeah, and I, I would jump in here and, and dig a little bit, of, or kind of geek out a little bit on a on a distinction here because it's not okay to just be data driven. And like this is like okay, you be data, you're data driven, and you have a framework, and you're you're more transparent. These terms are thrown out there, and <laughs> and, and that let me let me jump in and like add some some like tactical 
or, or an explanation for the difference of experimentation versus being data, quote unquote, data driven, right? It, it's not only about that. Experimentation is an act of intervention. The type of data that it's creating is categorically different than what you get in analytics. The analytics data is all about the past. And that's what machine learning, supervised, unsupervised machine learning, big data, it's all about past data. But in new environments, applying that data in a predictive model is very dangerous and it's it's prone for 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 errors and confirmation bias and 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 all sorts of big you know, issues. So experimentation is uh, is different than data that you see, which is analytics. It's data that you do. So you're actively intervening, you're changing something, and then you're measuring based on that change. So it's 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 a new type of paradigm. It's a categorically, it's up on the causal ladder. You're able to not only look at correlation, you're able to get closer to causation. Yeah. Um, it, and that's why it's not just data-driven and transparent frameworks. No, no, like, I agree. And I like, yeah. like you said, you're getting more from correlation to causation. This is a great point. By data-driven, I also meant also to doing experimentation, yeah. right? You need to be, you need to measure, you need to be, have the capabilities to measure these things in real time almost, and then to to interpret the result, right? Which again, just measuring is not enough. You need to have uh, good data skills to interpret these results to take the right decision. Based on what you see by talking to leaders, when you start, so when it's, and I say we start with experimentation for real, so not just running, uh, let's say simple A-B testing uh, somewhere, like we said, somewhere in your digital marketing. What would be the best places to start? What are the best uh, things to do, in your opinion? What uh, do the best do uh, to start a really good experimentation program? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I think that I, I, I have in my mind a framework for different personas mm -hmm. of starting a pr program. Um, there's the three personas of like how people start. There's, there's, there's a revenue persona, sort of a win persona. I want to win mm -hmm. now. And th these, you know, they want to come in and they just want to start testing what they've seen work in some other areas. And, and this is okay. This is good to start. Um, just want higher conversions. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and they come in and they start testing, um, some things and they, you know, they, but what happens is that it'll quickly hit a ceiling uh, and it can potentially get perverse really quickly. There are agencies, for example, that work on performance models for charging their clients. Like if you, if we went, if the test wins, we get a chunk of that. And we get a lot of clients from these agencies, by the way, <laughs> they, they, after they, they realize how much of a dumpster fire that model is uh, and how, how many lawyer, lawyers and red tape it involves and, and how it just, and, and, and doesn't incentivize creative thought. Money is really good at incentivizing root machine process type of work. I pay you money to do factory work. It's not, money is not a good incentivization tool to get creative work and get inspired and get in innovation. So we need other tools for that. The other persona is around customer learnings, which okay. is the one I, I really love. Um, so knowing your customers better, understanding their pain points, stuff like that. Yeah. And, and you know, if you go into these like 
business operational framework books like uh, OKR theory mm -hmm. or Get Things Done, 4DX, um, o o uh, EOS, there's only f three goal categories for businesses, and that's as revenue, customer, and process. And all of them talk about all this crazy research they've done with companies, and they all say that customer goals are, are really where you should aim your company. You should have an aspiring mission for your company. It should be centered around the customer. And then everything trickles from there. Your process, uh, your, your revenue kind of is derivative. Uh, you know, so I like this persona a lot. This is what I call customer experience optimization. So they come in starting like, let's, we're doing user testing. We're doing polls. Let's also use experimentation as a tool to get customer learning. So that's also a good place to start. Um, to just thinking about the customer. Um, the third one is, it, I'm seeing more and more of this, and this is what I call experimentation, because experimentation is the, the moniker that I give that describes the process of intervening in measurement, right? The process of decision optimization. I, I give that moniker experimentation, experimentation programs. It involves not only A-B testing, but the decision frameworks, the, the, the pre-registering, the post-mortems. It involves the planning and the road mapping before the A-B testing. It involves the assessment and integration of product strategy into metric strategy before the planning and road mapping. So it involves all of those process stages. So we see a lot of bigger companies, you know, MongoDB was a good example, Miro.com. We work with these, these companies and they, they were, they'll come in and be like, okay, we're, we're spaghetti testing, you know, and that's where they started. So they started on one of those two other personas. So but like, let's stop spaghetti testing and let's set up a program. Like so, let's, you know, and top this is down. what you talk about this third persona. It's like testing focus, right? Testing process focused. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. Learn, let's learn to test and let's have that learning affect our culture. Like, but, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand. And this is when you, and we'll talk about this, I think a little bit later about how to do this, as, uh, let's say, testing and experimentation at a large scale. But do you see there is most, uh, maybe a conflict of interest? Because one of the things that I like that you also write about that uh, you don't test to test, you test to, uh, to make, to implement changes, right? Uh, do you see a conflict of interest with the testing focus? Because sometimes they have uh, these KPIs, goals, how many tests you do. We do thousands of tests per year or, I don't know, hundreds of per day. So can it be that with this testing focus, sometimes the test by itself becomes the goal? And then it's you're not testing to change anymore, but almost testing to test. It, it's human nature to, to miss the forest for the trees, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what you're saying, true, right? True. Do we miss the forest for the trees? And, and do we, but we can have these metrics. You know, the, the, the goal is not to get MQLs. The goal is not to get form fills and transactions. The goal is to solve customer problems and to have an, a, um, a share of the market and have our voice be heard. It's that we are your solution and you value our solution. You know, th these are the goals. Um, you know, you mentioned the goal, you know, is not to test. The goal is to, to make, you know, make a decision. The goal is not even to make a decision. Like the goal, it, I, I love the mental model of it's not enough to know. Like we can know exactly what the problem is and what to change. <laughs> and we can make the change. We can actually make the change on the website. We can, we can improve it. But that's still only half the battle. 
you still need to communicate that learning and that change to the whole org. There's a really cool article that I love to pass around to my team. Um, it's from, I think, yeah, Harvard Business uh, Review. It's, uh, it's about, you know, you can change a po- changing a policy that's not changing a mind or something along those lines. Like you can change business policies, but that's not, man, you're not changing people's minds. And, and so like in, even implementing a change and even harvesting the gains, getting the revenue, still half the battle. If you're not getting that learning to your whole team, to where you're able, you're, you're able to stand on top of that learning and reach higher. So in experimentation programs, velocity is a goal. You know, these are these leading metrics to help us try to stand up higher and create these cultures of innovation. So, you know, you have a strategic narrative around testing of, of like that comes from like the, I don't know, a lot of times from the, the chief revenue officer or finance or, or CMO, like I just need more money, right? Like I need a metric focused. And so we do experimentation to get wins to, you know, we make you ton more money. And then you have this other strategic narrative of, especially for for legacy companies, these big, older, non, you know, not not the tech-focused companies, the the strategic narrative for testing isn't we're going to make you more money. It's that we are an innovative place to work. So, you know, these bigger companies, I'm sure a lot of big airlines that you work with, you know, and I don't know, there's there's companies like um, Walmart in the U.S. here and, and uh, they, they just don't feel innovative. Like why as a young, amazing tech talent do I want to work there? Yeah. So that's a weird strategic narrative. And if I create a culture of experimentation, if I test to test for a while, I'll mm-hmm. create that culture and then I can attract the talent to come work in my culture. So that's a whole different reason to test than testing to win. Yeah, it's a good point. It's not something that I would, it would be the first thing that I would uh, think about. But now that you mentioned, I really, yeah, you see it a lot, especially even any digital agency now. We work on these cases, we are doing experiments, we are testing, we are like uh, figuring out new stuff. So it's, yeah, to attract uh, good tech talent. Um, I don't know, maybe you'll tell me if it's connected or not, but you through your agency and also through your talks, you work with, let's say, big orgs, small orgs, and we also sit in our space. You have, I don't know, small digital teams, e-commerce teams, that they have e-commerce team, marketing team, and they they all work together or it's not a huge team. But then you have bigger airlines, uh, bigger companies that have several. I talked to, for example, LATAM, the biggest Latin American airline, and they had like 40 product teams. Um, what are the organizational models that you see? Do they depend on size? And how do you see companies embed, let's say, experimentation in their e-commerce and digital marketing? Because this is the challenge that at least personally I, I see is, okay, they figure out we need to do this or we need to do more of this. It's not enough that several departments do like this spaghetti model, just test some simple small things. We need to be more serious. How do you... How do you then organize it, especially in a bigger company? What's your yeah. experience on this? The, the simple case is in the smaller company and the smaller teams, because then you just have like a centralized model. Um, let's just let's just all test and have fun, right? Um, and but, the, the, uh, sorry to uh, interrupt. In this small model, so you have somebody who is like a leader, a champion, who 
like leads the program, educates people and things like that. On the small, it depends on how small. I mean, we've, even with like a hundred million dollar e-commerce, you could still be working like directly with the CEO and he's like, pay, <laughs> he's like paying for by credit card to like the tools. And <laughs> uh, so what, what is big and what is small these days mm. is, is crazy. But, um, but those models, you know, the, the, the number of hats on the same person uh, can be many, right? And, and your RASI chart, you can put your face on a lot of different uh, support roles there. You know, the same person can be doing the program management as doing the ideation. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of times, you know, the bigger that we go, the, ide- the ideation and strategy is a different person than, than who is doing the program management. Um, but as you get bigger... The rubric here is, is, is that you have either a centralized model or decentralized. So you mentioned that airline has got 40 teams. So there can be like one team that's centralized and runs all experiments for as a resource, like an internal agency for those 40 teams. Or you can have 40 different experimentation programs. So these so are the two. product team you have a... Let's say somebody who is make sure that knows a little bit about platforms or how to set up experiment. It's like uh, support for the product owners and uh, product people, UX people, stuff like that. Those are the extremes. So that's that's the decentralized uh, extreme. And then the other is centralized. We're doing a ton of work right now on auditing that whole setup for a lot of big companies. Where are their teams? Where are the gaps in the in you know phase gate management and governance of these programs and alignment of product strategy and metric strategy? And what we're doing is building centers of excellence. But centers of excellence isn't like a one node right in between that centralized and decentralized spectrum. It 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 depends on the organization of where it lies. And so what do you want the center of excellence to maintain? What do you want them to govern? What do you want them to, um, to educate on and, and et cetera? Like how, what parts of what do you want your product teams to own, um, especially around the strategy more, you want them to own strategy. You want the um, center of excellence to own more of the process and, and, and the program guidelines and the education leveling um, rituals. Uh, what so it's a lot of work and 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 we've got some tools that are that are helping us do these audits and you know we we separate for example you know the culture and strategy of an organization from the people skills from the process and governance from the tools and data and these are our four top level pillars and underneath that we've got sub pillars and then there's activities you know tools and, and and you know artifacts and rituals under each of them that you could be using to push forward on the program. Um, where we see success is generally is when we start looping in leadership. Uh, so for example, we're, we're, we're working with a giant e-commerce out of Europe right now, and they have more than 40 product teams. They've got just probably a hundred plus. Uh, they are in that persona of need, of this big legacy company needing to hire better talent. And, and so their justification is let's experiment and create that program. We're working with their HR department directly to create these roles and to create the, the language that even allows for the, the product owners not to be 150% time booked <laughs> and, and for them to even, even test, right, and have that part of their OKR system. Um, 
So leadership is key. The the bigger organization, you know, as you get bigger, leadership is is the is the linchpin. And that's awesome, man. Like you said, yeah, I we do the analysis of different roles, and I see also in our industry these words of, uh, or let's say, bits and bits of experimentation, like A/B testing, experimentation, hypothesis, uh, understanding stuff. You know, getting into the job descriptions of digital product people, and this is as I, I think we are moving as an industry as we do benchmarks um, each year. It's getting better. We'll see. I'm very curious what will come of our next benchmark because we have the COVID that really hit our industry. Uh, so we'll see uh, if this, uh, let's say, expedited the things or did we take two steps back? What do you see in other industries? Just out of curiosity, uh, what did happen with COVID? Did, uh, uh, did, was experimentation put on a halt or was it accelerated in some cases? Uh, depends on the industry. So we, lo- we lost uh, some big resort clients. We lost some big construction clients out of the U.S. But we gained, you know, we started working with um, Miro.com. This mm-hmm. is a big online whiteboarding company. You know, they went from like, when we started working with them, I think they were like 400 people and they started, they doubled that number every six months of people. <laughs> I, I'm um, the client. I use them for my virtual workshops. I use them. We use them a ton. We're, we're totally addicted to them. We're, we're paying them a lot of money. And, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, it makes sense to give some of it back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, great, great tool. Love them. Love the team. Um, so that's a, an example Um of an organization that really, you know, at the right place at the right time uh, and did really, really well. Uh, and then there's a lot of, you know, payroll processing companies and um, project management software companies that the these kind of just keep on chugging along in a, in a lot of ways, service, you know, software service companies. Um, so we're, we weren't really big in the, the travel space. Uh, we had, again, those resorts. Mm-hmm. We had one company, for example, that, uh, sold hearing aids, but as part of part of the buying cycle, you had to go in to a brick and mortar to look to talk to a doctor, uh, you know, and be fit and stuff. So that completely shut down, and and because you had to go in person, and um, so we we kind of we we took some punches in the face for sure. Uh, a recent consumer survey we conducted over summer showed that the top three friction points in digital customer journeys when booking travels are difficult to navigate websites or apps, lack of price transparency, and technical glitches. Travelers are coming back. Are you ready to give them a standout experience? One that boosts revenue and loyalty? Glassbox helps you deliver frictionless digital journeys across web and mobile apps. Turn more traffic into bookings, more travelers into repeat customers. Visit glassbox.com to see a demo today. One thing that I'm curious uh, that I would like to your feedback before we go into more fun part of this podcast is uh, the tooling, you know, because often I hear, especially in the airline space, we have like two kinds of companies. So we have, let's say, low cost airlines that are newer, that don't have complicated distribution so they, they typically have in-house tech or in-house digital platforms. And we have the legacy that has, let's say, more complex setup on the backends and the system and the e-commerce. So especially for the latter, oftentimes it's, it's difficult to embed experimentation or our booking engine doesn't allow us to test 
so what do you see with the tooling? How do you start? Uh, usually the first step is to, to do some simple, simpler ex experiments with the first party tooling. Uh, but often, oftentimes people uh, ask me what kind of tools to use or do we build our own tool because this is what the really big ones do. Uh, how do you look at this, uh, this challenge? Yeah, you, you mentioned the words like how to start and everything. And when you ask me this type of question, I, I think of this graph, you know, on the x-axis is, is like test volume, you know, mm -hmm. the velocity. And on the y-axis is test complexity. Exactly. And you always want to be going up and to the right. Like, you, you, you know, these are two uh, forces that you play with. And, and, and one interesting metric, by the way, on test programs is error rate or mistake rate or when your test fails in the sense of like it, it, it's not properly run, right? Or like it, it, there's a big bug or something, you know, you didn't hit the right audience or you just something broke. That actually, I'm, I'm st we're starting to track that, and I'm requiring around a five percent like mistake slash error rate on our programs. Because if you're not getting an error rate on your tests, either your your team is afraid to report those mistakes, <laughs> which is not good, or you're not pressing on test complexity enough. Because uh, when you're hitting the wall of, of, of you know in that graph, if you're not going up as well as to the right, then you're not hitting that ceiling of complexity. Like, are we doing more than just CSS changes? Yeah, or yeah. Are, we, are we including machine learning? Are we including the analysis of secondary variables um, in, a, in a proper example, way? One, one example from my industry, when we do these benchmarks of complexities, okay, can you do, can you test different booking flows, you know, completely diff different flows of people? Because in airline world, you know, typically, when you book a ticket, it's quite straightforward. You go here, here, you select flights, uh, seats, bags, stuff like that. But can you can you do different booking flows? And here is where we see then problems. So uh, where we reach the limit with, let's say, the third party tools usually. And, and so in terms of tools like the, the tech stacks and, and those complicated booking flows, uh, can be quite limiting. You know, we've had similar with like, for example, healthcare brokerage, uh, brokerage firms where mm -hmm. you're, you're filling out like an insanely long application uh, to qualify for, you know, the, in, in the U S it's the Obamacare, like healthcare. Mm -hmm. uh, I forget the name of that right now, but um, so re those really technical, heavy multi-step uh, setups can be quite complicated to test on to create you know net new flows and to test against and things like that um i think then is when you're looking to do a lot more server-side testing frankly mm -hmm. um you're not just doing it from client side that's step one um and then step two is is trying to automate all of that so automate the the reporting especially is the is the first step and then automate the you know the test setup and the, the pre-registry of the uh, all of, you know, almost like feature flagging, um, that kind of thing. What I tell people is because often then shouldn't be completely discouraged, you know, even if you have some limitation, I think if you're creative a little bit, you can still test parts of that flows or you can be creative around it and still do the testing because often I hear we have these limitations and they, then they don't do anything. So this, I think is uh, something. And then also, you know, again, the, the point is not to test again, right? The point is to make the decisions. And so uh, we're doing a lot of other types of 
interventions, right? So design testing with maze.co is a really cool tool. It's like user testing, but with design prototypes. Yeah, so the um, prototype testing, right? So you can do your own before, right? Yeah, but Maze is like is a cool tool to make that really easy um, and, and quick and actionable. Um, you, you know, you're using um, you know user testing itself is is a qualitative form of intervention. Um, uh, message testing uh, to an extent. We've got our tool Winter.com uh, that we do a lot of that with as well. And here I see it's a, this is what I told when we talked with people in our let's say airline digital academy. It's like I think this is the most underrated part, you know, messaging the copy because everybody is focusing on the buttons, on the, let's say, the UX designs, but copy is like, especially in our airline world, when you go, it's so restrictive, heavy, so, so much restriction, so little of uh, emphasis of the value proposition, of yeah. how you address the gap. So this, I think it's a huge gap and this doesn't take usually so much it's not that difficult to set up to test different copies and but can be huge gains. Yeah, and there's so much of like optimization that's that can be done with copy that's not even a that doesn't need to be tested. Like <laughs> so much even on our own website, you go to spirit.com, like I hate a ton of our copy and it's never my priority to go and like make it seem like a robot <laughs> didn't create it, you know? Like I, I just yeah. want to be like, oh, who wrote this? Like why did we stick with that? And and uh, yeah, there's so much optimization and and stuff that can happen around copy. Um, there's brilliant copywriters out there. The calories that you spent on, on copywriting. Um, uh, yeah, that's, it's, it, it should be step one, but for some reason it's relegated, uh, and, and a lot of, you know, the hammer in our hand is testing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, like AB testing in our field. <laughs> so we need to think a little bit more broadly of, uh, you know, the forest for the trees kind of thing. So now the last part of the podcast we do a category that we call, or let's say a section that we call hire, train, or fire, you know? So I give you three concepts and the one that you like the most, you say, okay, I hire this. That's the second, the middle one that you like a bit, but you would like to invest a little bit more is the, the train. And the one that you don't like is the, the fire, you know? Okay. So, okay. So the first one, it's easy. It's not uh, experimentation related, but it's from our industry. So when you book flights or when you book your vacation, what do you usually select? Do you go to the direct airline website and be careful now because this is airline audience, you know? Or do you use an OTA like Booking or Expedia or Hopper, or I don't know? Or do you use the traditional travel agency? So which one you uh, hire, which one would you... When booking a ticket, um, I fire the traditional... Uh, travel agency. Okay. Uh, I I hire. What I go to is go directly to the website. Yeah, yeah, hundred okay. percent. And then for the booking, I guess I would put that in the middle of the train. Um, okay. Yeah. Good. I think our audience will be happy. With <laughs> that is truly what I do. Like I will use booking for like hotels and stuff, and yeah. uh, but not so much for airlines. We'll go directly to the, yeah. the source. This is yeah. the data show that as well. That mostly people they will do research also compare, but then then the booking usually is directly. While for yeah. the hotels, like you said, it is with the OTS. Yeah. Okay. Now let's say because we talked a lot about experimentation, but I saw you did also a lot about. Uh, uh, wrote and talked uh, about UX research, about user research, and you said the learning focus persona is about the research, knowing your customers better. So in terms of, let's say, CRO 
user research methods if you hire, train, and fire. So we have moderated user testing, unmoderated user testing, and session recordings. <laughs> uh, I guess session recordings, I fire, uh, moderated, I train, and unmoderated, I, I hire. So we are um, for scale because this is this. I talked to head of research at uh, eDreams, user research, and you know, they are the biggest European uh, OTA. Uh -huh. and he also said, yeah, that he was in the moderated user testing because he liked to interact, to ask, to do. But then the volume and the insights and the velocity of the unmoderated user testing yep. was so good that that's the key. But I will the volume and the velocity of unmoderated huge. But I will add on another variable. I think user testing is a very dangerous research methodology. A lot of user researchers are gathering data on user perceptions and user opinions on this. They're using uh, a formative research technique. Uh, in, a, in a summative sense. Uh, and they're coming to conclusions of perceptions and opinions um, based on, and then making conclusions on how they should, to what degree change XYZ on a website accordingly. And I think it's very dangerous. Um, user recordings, user uh, sessions are very salient because it's our, it's our nature to trust other humans. Uh, it's in our DNA um, to, to trust and to be influenced by other people's opinions. And I think that's why it's very dangerous and it's hard not to have con confirmation bias when doing this type of research. That's why I like um, uh, re you know, you know, remote, unmoderated, um, because you can, you can machine it a little bit, you can machine process it a little bit more objectively. And the, the, the use case is for observing behavior around friction. It's not about understanding motivation. It's not about understanding, um, you know, fears, uncertainties, and doubt uh, to a large degree. Although there's a Venn diagram there over with fr friction. It's, it's user testing those sessions. It's about friction. Where are the tripwires? And it's dangerous. Like there's a lot of conclusions that are drawn incorrectly with user testing. Sorry, let's get it on my soapbox there. <laughs> good, good. No, it's, it was a very opinionated uh, hire for the on mother. Yes, yes, yes. Good, uh, good. Okay, the last one. And because we talk a lot about, we also do teaching, learning in our academy. How do you learn about experimentation? So I'll give you three things. And again, you can hire train fire. So the first one is books. You mentioned experimentation works. There are a lot of good books here. Uh, and the second one is like, you know, especially the big tech and also in the travel industry, we have the Airbnbs, the Ubers, their medium blocks, you know, or engineering blocks and things like that, where they write about uh, experimentation and stuff. And the fourth one is podcasts and blogs. <sighs> Oh, man, I think I'm going to fire the engineering blogs. Uh, I think I'm going to train the uh, on the, uh, for the, um, uh, the the last one that you mentioned. How did you yeah, put it? The, podcast and blogs. Let's say. The podcast and blogs, and the more generic, blogs. more generic ones. Yeah. And I think I'm going to hire the books. I, I'm a, I don't know, maybe it's older that I get. The, the, I'm a big like principal first guy. And I think that the there's so much effort and calories that the author of these books are putting into this. They're curating it so well. Um, you know, this Stefan Tomp 
experimentation works book is amazing. Uh, exp- um, the power of experimentation out of it, the a couple authors out of MIT, um, amazing book. Uh, you know, these, these other books around like, like alchemy by, by Roy, Rory Sutherland is the mm-hmm. best non CRO CRO book out there. And it's an amazing read, uh, to get inspired around illogical reasoning, mm-hmm. um, and, and how c- crazy our minds work. Uh, I, yeah, books. Good, good. Okay, man, thanks. The insights, I think I learned a lot today. So at least for me, this was very useful. I think it will be for our audience as well. I'll share the link uh, to your YouTube channel where you have these interviews. So I think there are also a lot of great insights there. And keep doing uh, all the good work. And thanks again. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure. I love geeking out about this. Um, uh, Anyone listening to this, I'm really active on LinkedIn, as you've kind of alluded to. Um, And uh, yeah, follow me, DM me. Love to have these conversations. A recent consumer survey we conducted over summer showed that the top three friction points in digital customer journeys when booking travels are difficult to navigate websites or apps, lack of price transparency, and technical glitches. Travelers are coming back. Are you ready to give them a standout experience? One that boosts revenue and loyalty? Glassbox helps you deliver frictionless digital journeys across web and mobile apps. Turn more traffic into bookings, more travelers into repeat customers. Visit glassbox.com to see a demo today.